Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today, Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you. Good morning, Dr. Paul. How are you this morning? Doing well, doing well. well. We still have a few problems to deal with. A couple, yeah. And uh, I understand a few people have sent me a question or two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're going to do we're going to do Ask Ron Paul again. And I'm telling you what, Dr. Paul, I put it out last night. You know, people ask questions. We had so many questions. We had over 100 questions. So um, it's tough to pick just a couple of them <coughs> because they're all so good. Um, a couple of sarcastic ones, but <laughs> they're generally so good. So we picked a couple, uh, three of them that I think kind of run the, the, the broad. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's so good. Let's hit the first one. This is Charlie Horn, and this is an interesting question. Um, he says, if you could stop one event in history, which would it be and why? Well, mine is going to be philosophic, and that is an event. It's, you know, if, there, if you accept... Uh, you know, free market capitalism, that is an event, something like that. So it, my answer will be designed f through a philosophy because uh, the one thing that I would change, uh, if we could, is that, uh, that the people would uh, not give up and that they would continue to accept the whole thing about natural law. I think the giving up of natural law. Not many people think too much about it, but I think most people understand natural law is when a lot of people throughout all history, all the way back to Sumeria, and uh, even the laws written back then, they recognized the fact that individuals couldn't lie, cheat, steal, and kill. And there were severe penalties. Matter of fact, in Sumeria, which is the original uh, civilization, uh, they have a lot of different penalties for acts of aggression. And the penalties were always in silver. So they had a silver standard back there. <laughs> so, Interesting. Uh, but but uh, we've, we've left that, and it's ongoing. Uh, but there's still a lot of people in the world that uh, believe that, uh, you, you know, that there is a natural law, that people know that lying and killing and is uh, not good, and most laws are supposed to reflect that. But our problem is, what I believe is that we drifted a long way from that, and the laws do not reflect that. The laws now reflect uh, special interests, the banking interests, the military-industrial complex. So they're they're not using natural law; they're using what they ever what they want. And the other thing that goes along with that, if you if we would not give up on natural law, then we wouldn't have this problem that to when they give up on natural law, they have to substitute it with something. And what, what they substitute it with is uh, uh, nihilism. That is, well, if you don't have a natural law that, you, you know, that most people still today think you shouldn't murder people. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's a miserable world because a lot of killing goes on. But uh, when there's, if, if you live in a society where you come around to thinking that, well, you really can't know right and wrong. And, and there are some brilliant uh, philosophers that literally say that. You, you guys are just playing a game. Nobody can know what truth is, you know. And I happen to believe that you can philosophically. And I think that uh, uh, the truth is there that there is a sun and there is a moon and, and <laughs> there is some reality. Yeah. So I think that has led to a lot of trouble is the fact that they've given up on natural law and they accept the fact of uh, there are no, no 
no laws and, uh, and without laws, then the, it's invited to the uh, woke people to come in. Nobody knows what the law is. Well, we'll tell you what's best. So they take over our schools and everything else. They are the designers of everything of right and wrong. And I think that principle is really where it has gotten us to where we are. Makes a lot of sense, Dr. Paul. Well, let's look at the next one. This is something out of the headlines, and this is from Brandon, Brandon B underscore five. He says, Dr. Paul, do you think the collapses of Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank were inevitable? What methods will the government employ to further regulate and control the banking industry? Do you believe this will have much wider market impacts in the coming months? Well, if you're making a bad mistake and you're not following any rules and you're not following, uh, you, you know, a natural law that you're not supposed to commit crimes of, of, uh, of fraud and deceit, which is false money, that uh, you're going to have these problems. And that, that's what we have. No, the problems we have were inevitable because uh, we have been able to milk this system by transferring wealth to the special interest. And we have done amazingly well in providing wealth, but eventually it shifted to uh, getting the wealth to into the hands of special people. And they do that because there's still trust in the money. And, and they go along with the debt, but eventually that ends. So no, the bank failures are, are inevitable. Uh, I don't know if anybody, you know, if there's a good bank examiner, they might delay it. But that's that's not it. It's it's the fact that uh, all the banks, uh, you know, in a way are insolvent, and that is because uh, money keeps created out of thin air, and the government comes in and prints more money and bails them out, and that uh, that makes it where people people uh, you know can't depend on what the government's going to do. There's no sound rules, and that uh, that is a, a real problem. And uh, there's sophisticated ways they do this. I mean, the rule of uh, of, uh, of reserve currency. You know, if you and I were in business and you give me a hundred dollars and said loan it out and this share, well, that would be a hundred percent reserved. Yeah. But what if I get your hundred dollars and loan it out to ten people? <laughs> you know, we've expanded the money supply, but people, well, we trust the bank and the government's going to do it. It's, uh, you know, it's a moral hazard. The, the false money and the false promises. So anytime the government comes up, even what they're doing now is promising to solve this problem, but but they're not going to be able to solve this problem because uh, it's an solvent system and uh, it, it, it'll probably, that's why the uh, inevitability of the banking system coming down like this now yeah, maybe today they've contained it a little bit but it's not a workable system and a country that pretends that there's no problem the people get poorer and some people get a lot poorer faster and they get punished and the wealthy people are able to gather up the pieces that are left so uh, you know it, there's no easy way to solve that problem because the problem is fraud and counterfeiting of money and you can't solve that by just real smart people <laughs> that know how to regulate so the Federal Reserve knows that what they're doing uh, they, they don't know what interest rates should be at all but guess who the biggest financial regulators are FDIC is part of the Fed they uh, they, they they expect the Fed and FDIC to regulate and bail everybody out, but uh, but they can, they can't do it, and uh, it's a false it's a false promise, it's an illusion, and it is a moral hazard because uh, then it gets so difficult. I've seen so many people express themselves. You know, I have this 
I have this about money I've saved and I don't know whether it's going to be insured and all this because it's fake. Yeah. You know, there's it, no honesty in the money and that's why it's vulnerable and that's why the, if the crash gets, which it usually does, gets out of control, everybody rejects it and then you have a crack up boom and that's what I think would be the biggest disaster for us. Wow. Well, before we move on to our, our third question for the day, I just want to remind our viewers of the sponsor of this show for this month, and that's 4Patriots.com, the number 4Patriots.com. We're worried about food shortages. They're worried in Europe, we're worried in the United States, and we should be worried about food shortages. One thing you can do to plan ahead so that you can survive a food shortage is to make sure you have a survival kit, and that's what 4Patriots specializes in, among other things. You can get it for 72 hours all the way up to an entire year, breakfasts, lunches, and dinners to provide for your family in case something difficult happens. You enter Ron for a 10% discount off your first order of delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners. Free shipping for all orders over $97. Again, hit Ron for that 10% discount at 4Patriots.com. Dr. Paul, let's get back to the third one. And this is another good question from Lloyd <laughs> Brownlow Stevens. And he asked, Dr. Paul, what would be the most practical and realistic thing Congress could do to halt the escalation in Ukraine? What's the best case scenario? Well, it's not complicated and we know what it is, but it, politically it's not permissible. They won't allow you to do it because even those who are turning against the war and there's Republicans now and not very many Democrats, all of a sudden uh, they're uh, talking about maybe cutting back, but you know, they keep spending the money and it keeps, it keeps going. So uh, I think that, uh, the, that you have to cut off the money. You have to cut off the support. You can't send FBI agents, CIA agents over there, special forces over there. You can't send any weapons over there. You can't send any advisors over there. And, and do it, you know, if you, if you want to give them a time for them to adjust, give them a couple weeks and <laughs> tell them we're leaving. Yeah. We're leaving. We just, we gra it's gradualism. We keep moving it in. But it's the gradualism has been going on since World War II. I mean, this history of Ukraine is not just brand new. We talk a lot about the history of Ukraine since uh, 2014, and uh, that, is, that is very significant, but uh, we, we need to quit doing it. But back to the monetary issue, that uh, we have an empire. It's at times very shaky. I see sh I cracks in our empire because eventually nations destroy their reserve currency and their empire through excessive spending and too much adventurism outside their own country and they they extend too far and then they go bankrupt in real time so you could say well the feds there they're going to print money eventually though the market is smart enough to look at real stuff rather than uh, what the government says well buy the treasury bills and we're going to print money we'll bail you out eventually it doesn't work people uh, people know what it is to have honest money and they want to, to be protected. So that is, uh, that's the, it's a political problem, but it's not an economic problem. It's a moral problem because there's too many people who benefit. Because if you, if you do this, if you cut, you, we could cut the war and limit the cuts to, uh, to uh, uh, Ukraine. Uh, 
but somebody somebody's going to be complaining maybe the military military industrial complex they have a lot of clout you know and, and they might come in and then they're going to talk to their congressman so it's incestuous on the way it works and that's why knowing what to do is not too difficult having uh, having the ability to do it and overcome the political uh, obstruction from it the, the politics are too strong because there are some powerful interests out there that benefit tremendously from these funds but it's not forever there, there's a limit and all empires end and you know, some days I read what's going on and I say where's well, a crack right there how long <laughs> is it gonna last? I think there's a crack building over Ukraine yeah you know uh, when I think back about how long we had to go to Ukraine or Korea and Vietnam and the Middle East we stayed and stayed and I think uh, right now because the people are starting to hurt now and enough people have talked about the issue that they're they're back they're backing off and deciding well maybe spending that money over there is the problem but I, th I there was the one example of doing it suddenly that people could look at and that is the depression of 1921 it was a bad depression I think the GDP went down 15 percent and it lasted for about a year no bailouts and there was bankruptcy, there was the liquidation, and that's what markets want. They want liquidation of debt so you can go back and reestablish re your, your habits. But that, they, they, they do that, and uh, th that is what uh, we, we have to do. We have to liquidate the debt, which is politically very, very difficult, so the market will deal with it. Yeah. The, market is, the market is more powerful than the politicians. Yeah. Well, Dr. Paul, I think I speak for all your viewers by saying thank you for answering the questions. I know it's a lot of fun for you to have the interaction with, with, our, uh, with our viewers, so thanks. Very good. Again. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in today.